0: This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome on into a Monday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast, the only podcast that gets your Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante. Wow, last time we speculated as to whether or not Brian Cashman calling the season a disaster inspired the Yankees to actually wake up and do something and win baseball games, and it was like worth talking about when they won nine-one the very next night behind Luis Severino. But then during our last live podcast, they blew a 3-1 lead to the Washington Nationals. They went on to lose that series, of course. Go to Tampa, win the Friday night game in surprising and somewhat inspiring fashion. Do absolutely nothing on Saturday and lose. And then blow a chance, of course, in the rubber game yesterday to take the series on the road and play spoiler for, I guess, their now chief rival, also inspiration. Also the thing Brian Cashman tries to see when he looks in the mirror, but just another team that's way ahead of the Yankees in the standing. So playing better since the Cashman call out, should have won four out of five of these games, won two out of five of these games. So bad course. we'll talk about Brandon Lau burying the Yankees. And I mean, really, truly picking up a shovel, digging a hole, putting the Yankees inside it, putting dirt on top, walking Hal Steinbrenner out to the field to say, Do you see what I've done? I have killed your... Do you see the the murder I committed of your team? Uh, And just going that far to show the Yankees how little they matter right now in this day and age. Uh, Jeff Passan even ripped Brian Cashman. The Yankees got some drama on Sunday. They shouldn't have dull game, but they've hit the Rays 12 times this year, and the Rays have hit them two times. So you don't have to be Kevin Cash to be like, hey, stop hitting our guys. Be major leaguers. Be adults. You don't have to be doing this on purpose, but you got to have better control of your pitches. And... Does anyone have a chance to make a name for themselves down the stretch? Beyond the obvious, beyond Everson Pereira and Oswald Peraza. Kind of feels like it, and one major 2024 Yankee took a pretty key step forward yesterday, as long as he doesn't fumble that. Thanks for joining us live on YouTube, of course, every 2 o'clock Eastern time, Monday and Thursday. We appreciate those of you who are still running. we the going off. Fails. We're also on all podcast platforms. Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, truly wherever you get them. A five-star review goes a long way. A subscription goes even further. We appreciate everybody who's listening. And Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show. You got an offer. Still, if anybody wants to make some money off this team or any other team.
1: Yeah, come on, guys. How's it going? Thanks for tuning in. Um, Yankees fans. Um, we probably got some good Yankees haters in here today. We can only hope. Um, DraftKings is here. Have you signed up for DraftKings yet? If you are a new user, you can receive $150 in bonus bets instantly after following just three easy steps. Create an account, deposit some money, then wager $5 or more on any sport. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you will still receive $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code YanksGoyard at sign up. That is YanksGoyard. It is literally us. Couldn't be easier Software is about available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer. Man, um, pretty boring stuff. Though, more drama with the Rays. I don't know how this keeps happening, um, especially because the Rays like, don't even bother me anymore. They can't bother the Yankees anymore. They're not like, they just beat us, and that's the way it is. Um, the Yankees have long been out of it, so I don't know why... It would seem like they would get any advantage from plunking player after player. Um, the Rays should probably just realize the Yankees are bad and they don't have many great pitchers and they don't have many um guys who are kind of rising to the occasion. So um yeah, a little little bit of uh nonsense yesterday with the benches clearing twice. I don't know what the second one was about. I was still trying to detect that and make sense of it, but um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm sorry to raise fans, all four of you, for thinking that. Um, there's any animosity here, but I can almost guarantee you there's not. Aaron Boone com- confirmed that in the post game. Um, you know he's he previously said a couple years ago, you know he's friends with Kevin Cash. They go way back. I don't know why there would be any need for this. Um, when you look at how far apart these two teams are, um, and uh, the Yankees at this point, if they were going to retaliate, they would have retaliated in an actual. Um, inspiring way when the bench is cleared instead of just standing there and Tommy Canley tripping up the steps and Harrison Bader walking in from center field as everybody else was sprinting to the middle, um, to the middle of the field, wherever they were all gathering, but yeah, pretty boring Saturday. I mean, most boring game of all- the last two games of this series, Saturday and Sunday, the Yankees had one opportunity with runners in scoring position and they went zero for one um, really nice performance on Friday night, four for 13 with risk. You cash in on six runs, I'd even go as far to say yesterday was shaping up to be nice. I liked how you know they punch back after going down 2 nothing early. You get the Volpe bomb. Um, DJ LeMay is hitting the crap out of the ball, which is fun to see. But um, classic, classic, classic meltdown when you have the opportunity to at least, at the very least, play spoiler down the stretch. Don't let your division rivals get this leg up. Don't let them get the mental edge. And the Yankees did exactly that in the span of an hour and a half. Yeah, I mean,
0: again, the Yankees have been out of it forever, so this doesn't – nobody is going to enter the offseason and be like, wish we would have won that third game in Tampa. But you're up 4-2. You claw back. You take a lead. You're in in the sixth inning. You get two outs to start the inning, and you go one, two, three, and you plunk Jonathan Aranda. Bases are low with two outs. He induces a two-strike pop out to Gleyber Torres, who breaks wrong, goes flat-footed, can't go get It's what it is. Juan Peralta comes in to get a lefty. Uh, first lefty in quite a while to get a hit off Wandy Peralta, but Brandon Lab does it. Uh, I hate this. I, I hate the Tampa Bay Rays team. Obviously, can't be disillusioned with how the 80s perform because nothing matters, but you would have loved to have held on to that, a- and you would have thought that, hey, winning the opener gives you a distinct advantage in trying to take this series because you only have to win one of the next two, but, of course, they did not. So, again, the stat continues on. They have one series win since the end of June. It was a three-game sweep over the Royals. They have not beaten a Royal, a non-Royals team in a three-game series since taking two out of three from Texas at the end of June. June, like 23rd to 25th, or whatever that was. And the Texas Rangers have now proven to be choking dogs now that uh they're struggling out there with the role of Chapman and losing their grip on the AL West in like a week and a half. So even that series win, less impressive than it was. It's it's really hard to imagine losing this many series in a row. It's actually harder to do this than to accidentally win one. This truly is the worst-case scenario, Yankees' team. They're worse than you could have possibly imagined. Like, you, you lay out the worst things that could possibly happen to this roster, and even when you lay them end-on-end, end, it would take a lot of work to get to the point where they have the record that they have right now. Kind of encouraging yeah. for next year, because these things won't happen again. Sure. Also pretty discouraging, considering who's left in the rotation, right? Like... Garrett Cole's in the rotation for now. Luis Severino will be gone. Herman gone. Carlos Rodon's going to have to be back. But what is he? We'll talk about him later. Luis Severino, you know, uh, of course, gone. Nestor Cortez, rotator cuff. He needs surgery. He's gone. Uh, There's no Clark Schmidt. Great. Good. Hope he's around next year. And he's getting some good run above his career high in innings pitch this year to go six and two thirds in Saturday's snooze fest was pretty big deal for him, especially because again, he was he's at the level of innings where he should probably have been shut down already but it's nice they're able to get all that out of him uh he's probably gonna get shut down soon we'll go to randy vasquez johnny Brito for the rest of the year but this rotation went from being the best rotation in baseball with frankie montas in the fifth spot to completely empty nobody's in there and the bullpen clay holmes is entering his final year of control you sure you want to bring him back for 2024 with this team what they look like Do, do you really need him not really uh wandy peralta entering free agency no thank you ron marinaccio is supposed to be a big controllable piece of this bullpen he's at triple a with an eight era uh michael king is a starter now apparently tommy canely has allowed eight of nine inherited runners to score this year and is somehow one of the worst high leverage pitchers in baseball gaudy era but that's about it jonathan Lewis has looked great ian hamilton's been mostly good but they if they print bullpen arms they're gonna have to print like five this offseason remember jimmy cordero got year-long domestic violence suspended too great great group of guys they've put together here in the bronx so the issues don't end with the lineup all of a sudden there's nothing here to really be proud of and yesterday would have been a nice little stepping stone but still nothing uh they didn't hit – all this to say that they didn't hit Randy Rosarino on purpose. They didn't hit any of these people on purpose. Kevin Cash and the stable of 98ers back in, in 2020 when they complained about our oldest Chapman buzzing the tower on a fastball, the man who has less control than any pitcher who's ever lived. That was a ridiculous complaint. 2019, or whenever it was that CC drilled uh, somebody in retaliation, that was because the Rays – hit the Yankees like four or five times first. So CeCe was standing up for the team. The Rays turned that into a big deal, started throwing at Austin Romine. Back then, the Rays were making mountains out of molehills. This year, the Yankees' pitching staff has no wiggle room. There, There's nobody you can put your faith in It's a bunch of inexperienced arms. It's a bunch of people trying to make something out of nothing. So the fact that they've hit 12 Rays and the Rays have hit two Yankees, it's not some grand conspiracy where the Yankees are trying to injure the Rays. And yes, the Rays are mad because Yandy Diaz is out with a forearm injury after being drilled by the Yankees to start this series. So there's real damage being done to a good team, whereas the Yankees are just a team of nobodies playing out the string, like Brandon Lau said. I understand why the Rays are frustrated this time, but it's not like, hey, why are you purposely injuring our guys down the stretch? It's how are you so unprofessional that you don't have a single guy who can avoid drilling our batters every single time we play other? Reduced schedule. They're only playing each other 13 times this year, 12 hit by pitch. And-, and yesterday it was like three in one game. I would be annoyed if I were the Rays too. Randy is starting – you know, it doesn't need to be two benches clearing incidents in a span of five minutes. But I get why they're mad because our group of losers are hindering their chance at the playoff.
1: Yeah, uh, I would obviously be frustrated, too. We've gotten frustrated about this in the past when it's like seemingly never ending for whatever reason. Just get guys who can pitch. And, um, you know, I can sympathize with the frustration because it is super annoying when you have guys who are just, throwing really hard and have no control you know carlos rodon hitting uh would he hit in the head paredes in the head like that's a bad look um i don't know i you hit a arena, it's tough because that's the leadoff guy it's one of their most important players and at that point you're like all right what the fuck um my whole thing with again losing to the Rays, the manner in which they did is you have guys who were just like okay brandon Lau has um 17 hits in the month of August. He got six in this series. Um, Why is uh, Jonathan Aranda getting on base twice yesterday that, you know, helps the Rays score the eventual, uh, the game winning runs, Um, whatever that 60 degree wedge hit was. It's like the, not only do the Yankees let all these players who are not that good capitalize against them, um, but they get all these dinky hits in between. Um, you have that you have a Rosa stealing all of the bases in one play because I don't know what Oswald Peraza- I don't know what Kyle Higashiok is doing, throwing that ball into the outfield. Absolute absolutely crazy defensive behavior. And then Oswald Praza just like watches Harrison Bader's throw.
0: Yeah. Olays. I mean, there. Harrison, Harrison Bader has been a particular degree of insufferable for like half of this season. Yeah. He has a fifty-nine WRC plus since the beginning of July when he had a big home run in that Orioles game that maybe sort of kind of propelled this team and they won the next day and went eleven over. <laughs> ha ha. ha. Huh. They were eleven over in July. And they are now six under and and plummeting further. But uh yeah, Bader, you can get on him for a lot of things. I don't really know what he did wrong there. one uh, Higashioka. throw. Higashioka launched a throw to center. He picked it up. Give a one hop through a third. Peraza Olayed it. Um Peraza certainly not taking it not taking the ball and running so far after being called up. No, nope. play the kids sequence yeah i mean everybody responsible for this has to be let go and i, I honestly don't mind randy rosarena giving them a little something ian hamilton even who we've loved this year saying you know i'd love to get another shot at him you know who, who would if you want to come over here and do something do something i'd love to see these guys again it's your it's your guy's fault that you're not going to see these guys again you could be in line for an alds or a wild card series but you're not because c- you've been horrific so play better get you know get it together don't I I would love to see all these people. I would love to see, I would certainly love to see the Rays again. It would mean my season isn't over.
1: Yeah. And it would be fun. you get more of a rivalry? um, But Brandon Lau, like you said, buried us Um, talking about it after the game, essentially just said, you know, the Yankees don't matter. We're playing games that mean a lot. That's obviously why they were frustrated because if they have anything that's derailed as a result of a hit batter or an injury, that changes the complexion of everything. You know, the Rays are still battling, um, they relinquish the division lead to the Orioles who have been on fire, but, um, they have persevered so much. Imagine if, I mean, we don't have to imagine we've seen it happen, but like the amount of players that the Rays have lost this year, the Yankees would literally be a 50 win team. The, if they yeah. The, the, the Rays up. have
0: lost these guys from the rotation, like pretty permanently. A lot of Tommy yeah. Johns, they've lost four fifths of the rotation. Their best player is on the restricted list. For yeah. horrific reasons, but their their MVP is gone and his major league career could be over. And this is still a team, you know, hurtling towards ninety five wins.
1: Yeah, I like it, they lost McClanahan, Jeffrey Springs, and they didn't have Glass now for what half the year. Yeah, the Yankees and, lose their first. And they just starter. lost. They lost Rasmussen. Oh yeah, Rasmussen too. Uh, the the Yankees lose. I mean, we saw what happened when the Yankees lose three of their starters. Imagine if they didn't have Garrett Cole. And even, you know, and even so they still lost the, you know, a lot of the very winnable Garrett Cole starts. Yeah. Um, This team doesn't persevere. That's why I think the Rays have had a reason to be mad because they're like, we're fucking scratching and clawing. We've dealt with more losses than, you know, most teams can fathom when you consider their fiscal situation and how the Rays do business. Um, I know they do print a lot of faceless guys who kind of just pop into the lineup and end up producing like you would have never imagined, or they throw a guy into the bullpen and he's throwing one Oh one with insane movement, but it's still not easy to overcome McClanahan, Wander Franco, uh, Jeffrey Springs and drew Rasmussen in the span of what? Two months. Um, incredible well, Springs was the beginning of the year, but the other guys were like in the last two months and glass now has only been around for what the last six weeks. Um, they managed to, there's the best division in baseball. Everyone, everyone's saying, uh, they managed to be at the top or near the top of it for most of the year, despite all that. So I don't blame Brandon Lau for talking shit. Would have been nice if um, once again, one of their he's okay. He he goes in spurts. He accumulated most of his stats like in April when he was on fire for like the first four weeks of the season, then he got injured, then he cooled off, then he came back to life again in July. Um, But he hasn't been good this month. And then of course, 6 out of his 15 hits this month come against the Yankees and then he has the opportunity to talk shit. He gets all the hits off the lefties. Um he pounds one off Rodon and then he uh did he hit one off Peralta or was that Yeah, he he, he broke the tie. Peralta? He broke the tie of Josh Low, I forgot. Yeah. Um but yeah. So yeah, he again a, a totally like whatever player just punking the Yankees and it's all too familiar narrative at this point. It's boring to talk about. It's not fun because it just happens all the time now. Yankees getting punked by CJ Abrams last week when he hits that home run and stares down Tommy Canley, yeah. his second one in in three days to 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 beat the Yankees. Um, you know, I don't. If I'm Brandon Lau, that's he kind of said exactly what you needed to say. If you're a team like the Rays and you're playing a team like the Yankees, it's like you know these guys are whatever the the shoo away we don't need we don't need to see you anymore we're going to go to the playoffs you guys are going to be uh, who knows what you're going to be doing in a month you're probably not going to have half this roster together so um yeah unfortunate that that it came to that point where we have to be embarrassed yet again but uh who who what Yankee fan could be mad about that how are you going to be mad about that there's no there's nothing to be angry about it's just it's the reality of what's going on right now
0: but Yankee fans getting you know and you know frustrated and wanting to have revenge on Brandon Lau for calling the Yankees a last place team it's just like the Rays screaming at roll to Chapman for having poor control three years ago. It's like, read the room. You're a last place team. What, what yeah. do you want? I, I mean, he, he elbowed you into the ground. He, he put you in a box. He buried you beneath the surface of the earth. You're dead now, <laughs> but you are a last place team. The next month of baseball does not matter for you. No. And if somebody on the Yankees in the Yankees lineup were to go down with a short-term injury, if, if somebody were to get a pinky fractured or, or get hit on the forearm and have to miss a week and a half, That would not matter at all. It would be a bummer. You would be like, oh, man, and nobody wants to to get a bone broken, but that would not hinder 2024 whatsoever. It would just change the calculus of who starts these meaningless games. It would mean nothing. But Yandy Diaz being out-out for a couple days, potentially longer. The Rays are jockeying for first place with Baltimore. Baltimore just lost their closer. They're looking to hold on to the top wild card spot. There are plenty of hungry teams in that mix. Like Houston and Texas are on the verge of falling out of the wildcard race. I, they're like two and a half up on Toronto and four and a half up on Boston, I think. But they're those are some real teams where like Texas yeah. could win seven straight and start threatening the Rays. Like it's not like they're in the wildcard race with some also rans. They have to play well if they want to make it to the postseason. So Brandon allows right. Them losing people impactful. The Yankees losing people does not matter at all. And the Yankees need to fight. If they're going to play spoiler, play spoiler by winning some nice games down the stretch. Don't play spoiler by taking out your opponents with 98 mile an hour fastballs that you couldn't control.
1: Yeah. And, uh, like you said, this is talking Yanks called it glorified spring training. I'd like to call it extended spring training. We're just getting a head start on spring training, uh, with the, with the, um, with who we're playing, you know, bringing up, bringing up the guys, there's talks of uh, Jason Dominguez potentially coming up. I don't know how I feel about that at this point. I don't care. Um, I I do. uh, I do not know the value of it at this point, unless the guy, unless the players are absolutely ready and there's no competition left for them to face. Like expanded rosters exist for a reason when September comes around. But like, I don't know if I like the vibes on this team. I don't know if any of the veterans are actually going to help the younger guys. Like, have they helped the younger guys that came up already? Peraz has been bad. Yeah. Um, Pereira, uh, I haven't really seen much of anything. Um, Volpe's obviously weathered the storm this year, but he had the comments about how the team's just not having fun. The team's not gelling. There's a clearly a lack of chemistry. So, why are you going to bring a formative rookie, another formative rookie into this mix to? either disillusion them or put them off the fast pace or fast track that they're on at that point. I don't know. Um, We talked last episode. I just think it's Dominguez is on fire right now because he just thrives with better competition. You saw him in spring training, tearing the cover off the ball. And then he went back to double a and he was batting under 200. He was getting walked all the time. It wasn't really a conducive environment for someone of his talent level. Um, But then again, like AAA probably is fine for him for the last month of the year. Um, And unless the Yankees have this grand plan to have him in the starting lineup for 2024, maybe that has changed with Harrison Bader's future with the team. Um, I don't necessarily see the value here. And plus, you could probably just get by the first month of next season without Jason Dominguez in your starting lineup or your opening day lineup. If you need to get him the necessary season again, only 20 years old. There is no rush here. This team is not contending this year. They, uh, you know, they need to stay afloat in the first couple months next year, but it's not like Jason Dominguez is going to change them, you know, turn them from going nine and 13 to, you know, 15 and seven. I don't think that that's going to happen. But yeah, this point, it's just a big tryout for next year. It's a, it's a good um, barometer for what they might be able to be working with in the off season. And then it'll kind of limit Brian Cashman's scope because we want him making as few moves as possible um, with all these players departing and, you know, with whatever is going to be available in free agency on the trade market. But um, I don't know who else needs to prove themselves over the course of the next month, because even the veterans do at this point. Dominguez, I don't I don't really get
0: the benefit of calling him up in September. He could spark he's red hot right now. He could theoretically spark this team, but they don't need wins. So why even take that chance? Let him continue dominating AAA. I think dominating AAA is better for his future growth than being called up, thrown into a pressure cooker, being turned into a savior, being told, like, show, why even show him this toxic clubhouse? Clean it up before you bring someone in who might be a huge part of your future. Uh, and he's been absurd at AAA to start his his career there in seven games. He's hitting like 480. It's what he did at A last year. He hit 450 with three homers in the playoffs and then struggled in April, May, June. You never know. So, uh, you know, him dominating AAA does not indicate that he's ready for the majors. It is – it's awesome. It's great to see. It's I'm enjoying it a lot more than I was enjoying April, May, June. The indicators are all there that he could be as special as we once thought he was if you strip away the Bo Jackson-Mike Trout comparisons. But I don't see any reason for him to be in the big leagues this September. Again, maybe you want to ride the lightning. Maybe his hot streak propels you to a playoff berth. Well, that's dead now, so who cares? Like, I, that's the only argument I can get for it. Either way, he could be up next year, either way, whether he's up now or not. So keep him yeah. at AAA and then let him compete for a job in spring training like Anthony Volpe. I'm much more interested in the players who are already here, plus Austin Wells, who we know is probably going to come up. Because, again, yeah. they DFA'd a guy. They didn't need to DFA just to clear a 40-man spot, just to call him up in a couple of days. That'll be exciting. I'll obviously watch that. Um, but I think the player with the most pressure on him in, in September is Carlos Rodon, who you and I agreed when he went down for the count again, two weeks ago, like, all right, we don't need any more. It's all good. The season is a wash. It's over. And he apparently wasn't that injured. The hamstring was fine. He fought his way back. Uh, and okay, great. Now that he's back, uh, he's got people calling him very unfairly the worst signing in Yankees free agency history because he, Got hurt in spring training, a chronic back condition was detected. He rehabbed for three months and he came back and looked decidedly uncomfortable when he came back. If you want to judge Carlos Rodon on his output so far, then you're gonna you're gonna do it anyway, whether I tell you you should or not. You know, you're the kind of person who thinks this is over, year one looks like this, surely year three will look like this too. You wanna to do it, you can do it. He's been awful um but i think i I, I, an honest person would just say this is sad it's upsetting that we got someone who was exactly what we needed then a complication arose before he even really got the pitch for this team and then he came back a shell of himself so you want to prove you're not a shell of yourself and you want to prove the back isn't affecting location which is what he said he was like i got the stuff i don't have the location Uh, He talked about fastballs and predictability and how he is a predictable pitcher. Everyone knows when the fastball is coming, and if he can't locate it, it's less effective. Maybe he needs to change his arsenal and become a different pitcher. That's for the offseason. Right now, during the regular season, he needs to prove he still has the stuff to compete. He struggled against the Nationals in his first start back, but he pitched well enough. Yeah. Didn't get a lot of swings and misses, but only allowed one run to a team that tattooed plenty uh, of different Yankees pitchers in the third game of the series. The Nationals have been better than the Yankees for quite a while now. So the results were there. And then yesterday, uh, first runner scores on somehow it's an earned run. The ball that got thrown around the infield and the outfield, raising the infield again. Then he gave up a home run on the very next pitch and loaded the bases and worked his way out of that. So it doesn't take a genius to show that both of those things are connected his next pitch after the mess on the base paths was poorly located and got hit out by Brandon Lau. He won two, you know, A to B doesn't take much to to make that happen. Ultimately he recovers, throws four and two thirds innings, doesn't allow another run, strikes out seven in the game, works his way out of that first inning trouble and hits 98 on the gun with high gas. in one of those middle innings, good start yesterday coming off a start that most people would agree. He kind of skated by without his best stuff. He doesn't have to be a superstar down the stretch. He doesn't have to do more than go four or five innings in these games. He just needs to prove there's something there so that when he comes back next year, they gotta bubble wrap him. They gotta ensure him. They gotta get additional rotation pieces. But he can't be entered. He has to be entering spring training in prove-it mode and build on momentum from last fall rather than there's nothing here and it's already over.
1: Yeah, I mean people are there people are just so ill to, to say that this is the worst free agency signing in Yankees history is you you're you're you sound like a Red Sox fan. You sound just like someone who's feeling sorry for themselves and just wants something to be miserable for the sake that it was it's been miserable for a while. So let's continue that. Um Carlos Rodon, we talked about this when he was injured in spring training. Um And everything was kind of mysterious surrounding his return. We didn't know the exact length. We started to kind of prognosticate when it might be. And then once we realized it was June-ish, we said, probably not going to see much this year. He already missed almost half the season. Why do you think he's just going to start pitching like an all-star after not having a spring training, after dealing with one injury, and then getting hampered by another? And the second one was a mysterious one that was probably affecting him. I'm not making any excuses for what's happened, but like the events that have transpired suggest that you are not getting a full all-star or even capable competent season out of this player or any player who has that type of injury trouble from the jump. Then you could throw in the factors of he signed a big contract with the most famous team in the league, so there's those expectations that, that get he sought
0: it. he sought out. By the way, I, yes. I don't I don't believe the comments saying he does not like playing for this team. I mean, he he went out of his way to chase the Yankees this offseason. He knows exactly what he's getting into. He said. Uh, you know, they should boo my kids if my kids struggle. Like, I get what I'm getting into. That's why it was such a great signing and such a such a fun pivot for the A's to get somebody who wanted to be here yeah. and bring that fire mentality and for him to immediately be compromised by a back issue felt really unfair to the general public and the man himself who was who was trying to take on this responsibility. Uh, that's why I'm excited to see what he does down the stretch. He is hard on himself. Yeah, He needs to be a little, you know, he needs to get ready to channel that fire again.
1: Yeah, and I look. I think the last two starts have been totally fine. Anybody who's looking at this through the lens of the contract and not getting the immediate results, like okay, do that if you want. You're just going to constantly be frustrated. There is no scenario in which a player just jumps off the I. I mean, maybe Clayton Kershaw, who is a legendary Hall of Fame talent, Clayton Kershaw popped off the IL and then just throws six scoreless. Okay, um, but. For a situation like this, like this is a build back. This is a complete build back for Carlos Rodon because then his season ended up getting hampered again by an injury. And then he was on the shelf and hasn't had the consistent um, playing time. He hasn't had the consistent reps. He hasn't had the consistent practice to get himself to where he needs to be. And that's what professionals need to do. They need to be dialed in. They need to be making sure that they're getting all of the work that they need to do to be prepared for a given start. I liked what I saw the last two starts. The velocity is there. That's good. Slider was kind of fucking on yesterday when he was putting it in the spots that he wanted to. I thought the egregious pitch of the day was the 0 2 pitch to Lau, mislocated the fastball. Like he knows what's fucking wrong though. So that's good. He knows when he's not locating. Like that's his biggest problem. He knows that he's fairly predictable with his pitch mix. So like he knows he needs to have the stuff and he knows he needs to be on. So if he can take the last month of the season to detect what is wrong there. Um, or to be able to overcome the back issue or overcome the hamstring issue or whatever it is. Cause remember when you're injured too, for as long as Rodon is, uh, or Rodon had been, um, your mechanics get affected. There's just no way around it. If you're not having that repetition with your windup, with your motion, with whatever it is, same thing, same thing goes for hitters, like kind of feels foreign to you. It's like, oh shit, now I'm being thrown back to the wolves and I have to make a major league start. Again, yes, the guy makes $27 million a year. The grace period should probably be a little bit less for him, but that's not the reality at this moment. This is an oft-injured guy. He's had a lot of problems in his career. He's obviously, I guess, we thought the the light was at the end of the tunnel um, after his uh, season with the Giants last year. Um And, uh, especially because his injuries this year have been like unrelated to all anything that he's had before. Like this was a different forearm injury. Most of his problems were elbow and shoulder previously. Then you get a weird hamstring back opposite end of the forearm injury this year. Um, bad luck could end up being a bad signing. I'm not ruling that out. I'm just not calling it fucking quits after what has he made 10 starts 12. I don't even know how many it is, but, um, they're not gonna they're not gonna blow you away. You just at this point wanna see progress. And if you're gonna sit here and complain about his inability to now morph into an ace during a lost season, then you're making life harder on yourself for no reason at all.
0: Yeah, I wish he'd gone over five innings yesterday, but he beefed himself up in that first inning and then recovered nicely. Found a good rhythm in two three four. Yeah. It's not a great start. I'm not gonna be like, that's peak road on. It was just a nice step forward in what has felt like a lost season. He could be the comments are right. He could be Els buried in 4 years if nothing sure. goes well. Yeah. But no one is trading for 5 more years at $30 million a piece this offseason of a guy with a 5.97 ERA. So you better figure it out. Yeah. You better hope he shows progress down the stretch and you better hope he shows up next season healthy because you're not offloading that contract. That is that don't even think about it that's yeah. stanton is an impossibility this is beyond that no one that's no chance so so don't even consider it It would be great in a fantasy world uh and in a fantasy world you win all your bets too yeah. luckily if you've signed up for drafting if you haven't signed up for DraftKings yet we're happy to help you out and help give you a little bit of bonus bets for your trouble if you're a new user you can receive 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly after following just three steps create that account deposit your money and then wager five dollars or more on any sport, whether your first wager wins or loses, you will still receive the $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code YANKSGOYARD when you sign up. It's an easy one. It's the name of the podcast. The offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus physically present Legal Gambling States. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check that episode description for the full terms of the offer yeah, I get I get bugged when people are like, gotta trade him. And they're they're just untradable pieces. You, you can't do that. if if the As could trade all of these onerous contracts, God, that'd be great. Yeah. Be World Series next year. They can't. It's their biggest issue. um and and speaking of people I'm watching down the stretch of the things that don't really matter at all, Anthony Volpe actually does like everything he does for the next month of the season is important for next season. Uh, The splits are getting gargantuan enough after the chicken parm adjustment. It's been over two months now, and he's been like a 120 WRC plus player. We're allowed to say it now that he's actually made great strides, but a season doesn't end at the end of August. You got to find that gear. You have to take it to the finish line. You have to continue piling up these counting stats. The further that average climbs, the better everybody. Once you're weighed down by an April, May, June, where you're completely lost, You're not getting above 230, 235 in a best case scenario, but you got to keep it in the mid 215s, 220, 225. We can't be watching that average dip lower than it currently is. And that's going to take the foot being on the gas pedal during the final month of the year. Baseball's hard. Anthony Volpe was awful from the end of April through mid-June, and it torpedoed his season-long statistics, except for – The home runs, stolen bases, which he's going to finish at 2020, and that's going to be an impressive 22-year-old season. Now it's up to him to show more progress. Like the oppo home run he hit yesterday. That was dope. Different varieties of the swing. Can't just be taking inside fastballs and tomahawking them to deep left field. Got to show us bases loaded, shorten that swing. Line drive single. He was nasty in April with the bases loaded and in key situations cleared the bases in Minnesota, kept the line moving with that huge hit in one of those games, had a huge hit with the bases loaded in Texas long before this season went off the rails. Then he became a different player, got lost, found himself, has the opportunity to show the Yankees that not only is shortstop handled next year, but it's handled by somebody who could be a 23-year-old all-star. And his progress has been the exact opposite of what Oswald Peraza has shown. Yes. Yes, they're jerking him around. Yes, they used him sparingly in the second half last year, and then he started an ALCS game, and then they demoted him, and they promoted him, and they yo-yoed him, and now he's back. I get it. But he's hitting 040 on 116 Major League fastballs this year. you got to hit those. Volpe has gotten to hit those over the course of the year. Peraza has shown nothing when it comes to being buzzsawed by fastballs. This is from Chris Kirshner's article that published this morning. In 2022 and 2023, his ground ball rate in the bigs has been over 56%. He's a line drive fly ball guy at AAA. He can't get on top of a fastball. He hits grounders at the big league level. He has felt like a waste. It's it felt like the A's decided a long time ago they didn't believe in him. That's why they buried him last year. That's why they gave Volpe the job this year. That's why it's fair to ask all sorts of questions about why he wasn't treated at last year's deadline or before that or for Matt Olson or any of the times he could have been leveraged. But he's showing almost nothing that will have you believing in 2024 being different. Volpe is showing plenty So it's up to him to continue that progress because this next month is crucial for him. He's got to get these numbers to a place where he can look back at the end of the year and go, all that work was worth it instead of saying I was great in July and August. And then when the going got tough, I let up again and now I'm not proud of that rookie stat line.
1: Yeah. I mean, Yankee's doing dumb shit as usual though. He's playing third base. He has five games at third base in his minor league career. Like it's, it's just not, or I'm sorry. Um, Nineteen. Oh no, that that includes the major. So yeah, so he has more games at third base in the major leagues than he does at the minor. So this is the dumb shit that the Yankees do to make players less and less comfortable. Um, but yeah, everyone who was taught, oh, Oswald Prowse belongs on the major league roster, he's tearing up AAA. Have you not seen kind of the profile of the modern day Yankees prospect? They kind of dominate the minors, and then they see any lick of major league action, and they suck. Um. It's partial development issue. It's partial just talent level. Um, so, everyone who was complaining about Oswald Peraza being down, where did you want him? Because Volpe's at short and he's better. And Glaber Torres is a lot of the same people's favorite player, is at second base. So, you wanted Oswald Peraza playing third base, a very un made that one nice play last week. And then he o laid a ground ball that was definitely tough, but like he 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 played that as if an inexperienced third baseman would, and then you have the error yesterday, and it's like what 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 are you doing um the fastball stats incredibly concerning um and uh the fact that uh this was an opportunity for him and Pereira to come up and light some sort of fire or make an impression and solidify maybe their long term status or just at least status beyond this season. And neither of them have really done much of anything, um, is concerning for maybe who they are as players, which I can't speak to, or the locker room, which we continue to speculate about as, as, you know, time and time again. Um, but yeah, this is a guy who really needs to prove himself because then the groans will be louder because there is a lot of frustration that one of him or Volpe weren't traded when the Yankees had this giant surplus. They have all these shortstop, they, they have all these middle infielders that they claim are valuable beyond belief and they have zero trade acquisitions over the last three years to show for it. So what are you doing with all this talent? Why are you burying this talent? Or why are you waiting until the last minute to bring up this talent? And then you get nothing out of it. Um, I don't think it's necessarily his fault. I don't think he's being put in a good position. I don't like moving play. It's already uncomfortable enough to go from Scranton, Pennsylvania to New York City. Um, so to make him not as conditioned to the environment as they possibly could is already disadvantaging him. But if you would just hope, like, maybe there'd be some motivation to be, you know, to rebound more with the bat than there is, you know, to make up for the deficiencies on the defensive end, because he's playing an unfamiliar position, a very, very hard position in third base, but I don't know. There's going to be a lot of stuff to see the remainder of the year. All I want from this team is moral victories. Just finish out the year somewhat strong. They do not have that hard of a schedule tonight. You start four games against the Tigers then you go to Houston. Okay. Three games. That sucks. Then you're home against the Tigers. You're home against the Brewers. The Brewers can't hit. If there's any, if there's any contender to play, in this day and age, you probably want to play the Brewers who are they, won, good.
0: they have won eight straight though. So they they'll you know? also be they'll also be coming down from that high. You yeah. can take a few off on that. Yeah, week.
1: that's, that's it. That, that's in a week and a half. That's in t- that's in eleven days. So okay, let them cool off. Then you're at four for Fenway. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. if the Red Sox are good or not, that's tough. Pittsburgh, Toronto, home against Arizona, Toronto, Kansas City. It's just not that hard. Toronto's not that great. Kansas City's obviously bad the Diamondbacks are good, but they're a very young team. And if you're trying to, you know, the Diamondbacks seem like a classic, like in the past, like a Yankees team to get right against. If they, you know, this, this young upstart team that's fighting for a playoff spot and like is up against the pressure, like the Diamondbacks have to win these games. It's going to be a challenge for both sides. Like the Yankees are going to be challenged by them and they're going to be challenged by the, 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 ostensible talent level that the Yankees have, especially with the young players that they have. So I think that the schedule is both it's it's favorable in a multitude of ways. You have some cushy opponents in there. You have seven against the Tigers, three against the Pirates, three against the Royals, and then you have competition with other teams who aren't that good but also need to win. So just finish out the year somewhat strong. Get some of these guys on hot streaks. Get a couple of good performances out of these pitchers who really need to get right, and then it'll set the tone a little bit better for 2024. But you can't go down like you have been for the last two months over this final month, because it's going to be really bad. It's going to, it's going to put the front office in an even worse position in the off season. If they don't know what the hell they're doing, uh, you know, in addition to what they already have to do. And you know, they, whatever they have on the docket right now, they don't know what they're doing anyway. Don't give them any more reasons to try and have to make more maneuvers in an off season. That's already going to be difficult for them.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not a believer in what this current regime has created. We're as down on them as anybody, but I will note that in all the comments saying, oh, the O's, J's, the Rays, and the Red Sox have passed the Yankees with their prospect caliber. Of course, having, go- having a good farm system is a basis for Major League success. It gives you a blueprint. It allows you to say, here's a pipeline. You know, Whether the farm system is top-heavy or full and, and able to continually regenerate, I would argue that the, the O's have obviously the cream of the crop best farm system in baseball. The Red Sox have more top tier prospects than the Yankees do, but they're bare. Most prospect evaluators believe they're barely ahead of them or just behind them. Yeah. they haven't. High and Bloom has not done any massive reload in the Red Sox farm system. The Rays are the Rays, and they're always going to be. There's an endless, you know, amount of talent coming from the Rays. Uh, the Jays, I would say, no. The, the Blue Jays farm system is not, you know, does not mm. make me a believer. There, there's nothing really there uh, that would indicate to me that they. I mean, their players, their young major league talent, Vlad Jr., Bo Bichette. Uh, they've already proven to be paper tigers, so I don't think you really need to worry about them. Bottom line, these great farm system gives teams that can't spend an ability to, uh, you know, stock their future and, and sell tickets. Uh, but it, it games are not played on paper. The the idea that oh the Yankees should surrender, you know, they're, they're never going to win a World Series because the Orioles have a better farm system. That's just not a not a valid take. Like they, they Orioles could easily wipe the floor with the Yankees this year and next not make a World Series, and then begin to sell off players as they have to think about extending them. Like, having a farm system allows for sustainable contention for teams that refuse to pay their superstars, but sometimes these cores don't work out. And sometimes the Yankees get an unexpected pivot and are able to change course and go back to contending. The last time the Yankees had a top-five farm, I believe, was after the 2016 sell-off when they added Clint Frazier and ruined him and added uh, Justice Sheffield and shipped him off and added Dylan Tate, because that actually mattered. Very interesting. Um, but the Yankees the have, ro- have a path back. All they have to do is hit on a few of these talented prospects, make more shrewd trades, and, and flesh out the Major League roster, and then you're right there. You're competing with the Orioles, for sure. No one's going away. But just because somebody has the top farm system in the game does not mean you could give them a World Series trophy. It happened with the Royals like seven years ago, and it took them five years after they had the top farm system in baseball to finally get over the hump and win one. Uh, but other than that, it's it's not a one-to-one. It's just, I mean, look, it certainly changes the conversation. You build the farm back up, it changes the conversation. But it's not the end of the road. It's the beginning. You get that great farm, then you have to supplement them with big league talent. Then you have to figure out which ones to keep, which ones to get rid of. Then you have to build the depth up again because you're going to lose people. They're going to get injured. The Orioles have done an admirable job. Their owner also continues to walk around and say, I don't even know if this team's going to stay in Baltimore. And I don't have any money to pay anybody, and I'm not making a profit. So I'd still rather be the Yankees, uh, you know, set up for the future. Like, it, it uh, again, yeah, like the comments say, the veterans have to produce. Having a top farm absolutely helps. There is nothing wrong with having a top farm. But it's not be all, end all. Oh, we got to surrender because this team has a great farm. The, the Mariners had Ken Griffey Jr. in the 90s. Biggest player in the game. Did the Yankees surrender? No, they never lost a playoff series to the Mariners. There are ways around it. 2012 Red Sox finished in last place. 2013 Red Sox signed a bunch of random veterans and won the World Series. Baseball is unpredictable. Having the top farm does not mean you're going to win the World Series in two to three years. It's the easiest way to predict it, but it does not mean that it's done. Uh, The New York Yankees front office has a problem. Uh, That said, all that yelling about the farm system. They still should be drafting fucking better. And Jeff Passan was all over this this weekend.
1: Yeah, we're complaining about the Yankees not having a top farm system, right? Um, They've managed to contend for a good while. Obviously, it wasn't they haven't won a World Series since 2010, but they've been in the playoff conversation for a majority of those years. Um, I'd like for them to add a top farm into the equation since it's very possible. A team of their caliber should be conditioned to have a good farm and have the requisite veterans. Get that mix. That's what ma- that's what theoretically would make you the best team in the league. But as Jeff Passan pointed out on the Michael K Show, this team has drafted really bad for the last fifteen years. We've talked about it ad nauseum. Um, you wrote an article about how um, Brian Cashman's top two war leaders, and you know, since that he drafted over the last twenty five years, who had a war over two. Are Aaron Judge, Brett Gardner, and Anthony Volpe two? Yeah.
0: Uh, two. two, and not, Anthony Volpe not,
1: has two point five this year. So this year,
0: it, it's been a nice season yeah. for Anthony Volpe that has vaulted him into the top three Brian Cashman draftees ever on offense.
1: Yeah, um, and that's really bad. Just think about any other year where this team was that much closer. What if they had one rookie position player who was some good of a some good spark, regardless of what it was? It could have been. Um, a power bat. It could have been an athletic player. It could have been um, a really good defender, or a maybe someone on the pitching staff. Uh, um, a bullpen swing guy. That's usually valuable. Like I'm, I'm asking for the bare minimum here. Give me the bare minimum of somebody who can actually produce. The Yankees haven't had that, so you do add that part into the equation. It does get frustrating because you're just a player. You're just a fairly above replacement player, uh, replacement level player away from actually, you know, taking that next step. Um, but Jeff Passan was right. Ripped the Yankees on the Michael K show. Um, he defended Cashman, which I can understand. The guy's been in the game for a while. He definitely knows what he's doing to a certain extent. I think
0: people are going to keep doing that. People sure. are not going to stop defending Cashman.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, he's still he, he would, as everybody says, he would have a job tomorrow. I don't believe. I, I I think that that's true. Any other team would hire him in an absolute second. Um, I just think his time maybe with this organization has passed. I think. Um, that's such as the case with most, you know, runs that go stale or just go awry for no reason. Um, he pointed directly to the Donaldson trade. He said that was a really, really bad trade. Um, he didn't revisionist history, the John Carlos or DJ LeMay, deals, because I know we've done that from time to time. Um, but I will say I raised an eyebrow at the John Carlos Stanton trade. I just didn't get it. But at the same time, I was like, this is pretty fucking cool though. Like this, this will be fun. Right. Um, so I tried, I was, I was all on board with the DJ, LeMayhu extension. Um, so he was careful to say like, look, he's made good moves. Some of these moves just didn't work out. And also like a lot of you celebrated these moves and now you're shitting on them because they just aren't good. And that's kind of how you can operate. However, Josh Donaldson trade kind of was shit on when it happened. Cause everyone was like, why are we doing this? We're inheriting 60 million just to not cut Gary Sanchez while you're also telling us we can't invest in one of the biggest free agency classes of all time. So why are we taking on this money and not money for somebody else who is way better? Um, He talked about why it was a bad trade because Donaldson was toxic in the Minnesota twins locker room, which played a part in his departure there. Um, And the craziest part was that that same year where he was quote being toxic and, uh, you know, uh, a net negative in the clubhouse, he was calling out and shitting on Garrett Cole and then the Yankees go out and they get him the next year. So like, how do you think that that's gonna, how do you think that's going to help the Yankees situation where you're kind of disrupting the balance of Garrett Cole's your highest paid player at that point, And you're going to bring in a guy who's challenged him through the media on like on multiple occasions and had a bad reputation in his previous clubhouses. Like what? So Passon talked about that, and then he he specifically referenced the last 15 years of drafting. Who do you know that has come up? Nobody I know. Nobody that nobody that I've been able to cling to. Nobody I, that I've been excited about. And um, in the
0: international classes, too. No. For a team like the Yankees that has always sort of said, hey, you know, we, we know we're not going to pick above 24, 25, but what we can do is outspend people in the international market. Dominguez looks like a fun piece to follow. Pereira is a top prospect. Robinson Cano bore the fruits, but there was a whole generation in between Acuna. You missed on Julio. You missed on Albies. You missed on like the, he who must not be named at the Tampa Bay Rays. You missed on him. Devers missed like all know. of these international talents that theoretically could have been Yankees for money alone. The Yankees picked the wrong guy. He oh. splurged on Wilkerman Garcia and, and whatever the, their names were in 2014, 15, They splurged on Jesus Montero. They picked wrong for like a decade again.
1: Do you freeze? I don't think so. It looked like you were frozen for a second. (laughs) I don't know what's happening here. My internet's totally fine, guys. You're getting beefed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they've they've constantly picked wrong, and you can go back a lot of today's game stars are from the international market. A lot of these, um, a lot of these teams have earmarked their money properly and they spent it correctly. The Yankees have not spent their money properly on the international market. They have, I would say, been completely hit or miss on the free agent market. I'd say they probably lost more trades than won more trades over, you know, across this window where we thought that they were going to contend. Um, and then you talk about drafting like they don't hit on any first round pick and then people will come and you know, use the excuse that you pick late and then you look at the track record uh, again, don't want to have to keep repeating ourselves. You look at teams that pick after the Yankees who end up at better talent. The, the, the Dodgers got Bobby Miller like two picks after the Yankees. Bobby Miller is now like pretty much a bonafide number two. Could add him could add Walker Bueller. I don't know. the the, the evidence is just there to prove that this team has picked you know wrong time and time again and this was particularly i think notable because passin's usually a calculated guy um he's not a knee-jerky personality very much an objective reporter um one of the most established in the game um but you know some reporters have their biases we see it all over the we see it all over the sport um he waits and waits and waits until kind of a situation is untenable before he's kind of going to go nuclear on them. Um, And I think him appearing Michael Kay, voice of the Yankees, him appearing on the show and him vocally being um, against the moves that Brian Cashman has made that he feels put this team in a bad position at this point that has them under 500 that has them on the brink of missing the playoffs that has them on the brink of finishing under 500 for the first time since 1992, um, I think that holds a lot of weight. And then I think, you know, you kind of look back to Cashman's press conference last week. I still don't think it's kind necessarily true, but it does make you wonder if maybe he was serious when he said that everybody would be evaluated in the offseason. But in terms of their job security, because. Some of the mistakes the Yankees have made were able to lie dormant for a while because of the the. the there's just the the baseline success that they've been able to have, right? Making the playoffs, winning the ALDS, like that's conditioned with Yankees exceptionalism. It's like if you don't go to the ALCS, and look, we'll say it, you know, we're spoiled fans, but that's the mentality. It's like if you're not in the ALCS, you're kind of a schmuck. If you're the Yankees and you have the resources the Yankees have and you have what you know, all the resources that they have, like they should be right there every single year
0: that's why they shouldn't have won one title from 2001 to now because they're in the alcs every year in the Mm -hmm. world series in 01 03 like they they should have at that point when they were just out muscling people have bought their way to five world series appearances and they only made you know post dynasty they only made 03 and 09 Mm -hmm. and then 2010 to present like the alcs became rarefied air yeah. They made it in 17, 19 and uh and 22 barely technically. Yeah. And never advanced past it because they ran in the same team every fucking year.
1: Yeah. And then those teams obviously had better draft picks. We talk the you just want to talk the Astros. I understand that they've been in a favorable position because of their tanking, but guess what? They hit on their picks. They also got Jose Altuve from the international market. They Sold high on relievers at one deadline and got Jordan Alvarez from the Dodgers. Made
0: the Verlander trade. Made the
1: Verlander deal.
0: Bregman and Correa were a big piece of why they were so talented, but they were not. A team that is Bregman and Correa and a bunch of 50-50 balls is not going to win the World Series.
1: No, it's not. I mean, you're looking at insert any other star alongside Aaron Judge right now. The Yankees are not going. The Yankees might not even be a wild card team. Dallas Keuchel. Dallas Keuchel
0: did not come from the Astros tanking. Like George Springer was prior to executing that tank that was a smart first round pick yeah. towards the back of the first round they got Correa and Alex Bregman and Mark Appel for mm-hmm. those first round picks Obviously, I have no discounting Correa and Bregman but that's not 12 players no
1: um Chaz McCormick 21st round pick um they hit on Kyle Tucker in 2015 um Jeremy Pena third round pick in 2018 so that was after all their success George Springer went 11th overall obviously higher than the Yankees usually draft
0: but the hit rate of 11th overall prospects and Springer when he was selected was like a swing and miss king and they developed him into being a 30-30 guy who killed the Yankees good development
1: Oh and how dumb are we? We forgot about Christian Javier international signing, Framber Valdez international signing.
0: Cheap international signings yep. too. Those guys did not make big money.
1: Urquidy international signing, like not the greatest but contributing major leaguer who who is who has been fine. Um Hunter Brown, good draft pick. So like the the list goes on. The the fact that they've hit on that many is 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 probably unrealistic you would say, but like if the Yankees hit on 30% of theirs Hunter so Brown,
0: Hunter Brown, fifth round pick from Wayne state. Like you can, do, you can do that. If you're the Yankees, you can do that. You can do that.
1: They can do a lot of things. And like, I, th- I think the biggest point now with pass and saying this is that the Yankees problems in or deficiencies in all of these other realms of the game were able to lie dormant because of their, you know, winning record, which I think is an arbitrary streak, but say what you want um playoff appearance okay great like you know nfl teams get to the playoffs at nine and seven are you you know throwing a party when they get when they get shithoused in the first round like no so the fact that the yankees had these streaks alive they had the pedigree with the franchise they had a couple of 100 win seasons in there it's like you thought all these problems were really going away and in reality they were just boiling under the surface and now here they are and this is this is one of the worst seasons we're going to witness in our lifetime based on the expectations based on the talent level and based on um you know the outside perception
0: the orioles tanked like crazy too and how many of the players from their tank are contributing to this year's roster adley rutchman one culture changer for sure absolutely yeah. gotta get him but gunner henderson went 42nd overall Heston Kerstad, a great number two overall pick, still in the minors. Someday, the Orioles might have a five-year dynasty fleshed out by their tank, but right now, their rotation is, have you seen it? It's a bunch of randos. Anthony Santander, Ryan Mountcastle getting James McCann's money, Adam Frazier. These are not people that Aaron Hicks was on the Yankees, hasn't been active for quite a while, but it's not like the Orioles tanked their way to the front of the AL East this year. They got Adley Rutschman. He certainly pivoted that roster. But the people who, the clutch hitters, the people who flesh that team out, are not thanks to the Orioles' all-time unprecedented tank job. They're thanks to better scouts. The people who run the Orioles used to run the Astros. They're smarter than the people who run the New York Yankees.
1: Yep. Losers.
0: Or bunch of losers in New York. Well, that that's it for today. I think. Uh, yeah. I think we'll. We'll wrap it today, but we'll be back on Thursday because we'll play three more games. They won't be very good or interesting. We'll be here to talk to you about them. Uh, But probably, honestly, we're more likely to be talking to you about other people who've ripped the Yankees during the interim period. I'm sure some other writer will write a column on how the Yankees are dysfunctional and how Josh Donaldson Mm. was an incorrect uh, addition last offseason. We'll be like, yep, see, everybody's saying it. We'll be able to talk about it. Uh, but for now, we appreciate everybody joining us 2 o'clock Eastern again every Monday, every Thursday, through the rest of the season and beyond. We'll be here all off season long, too, to talk you through what should be a very interesting offseason, regardless of whether this team gets better or not. Stuff will stuff happen. will happen. Uh, my name is Adam Weiner. But you can find me on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on all podcast platforms. would love a subscribe and a rating and a review. Thomas Carinante, where can everybody find
1: I'm at Tommy's underscore takes guys. Um, we're both on the official Yanks go yard, Twitter account at Yanks go yard FS. Once again, thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining the comment section. We appreciate it. Head on over to YanksGoYard.com. That's where all the content is. That's where having our, most of our fun. Um, it seems like there's not much going on, but there is stuff going on. So you want to stay on top of everything as we get closer to the off season. Um, it's going to be important to follow these other contenders down the strats. we got a lot of guys hitting free agency. There's a bunch of guys who are going to be on the trade block come the off season. So we're going to want to keep progress with the rest of the league as well. So stay tuned in. Um, We'll talk to you on Thursday. Hopefully, you know, it's another day game this week when we'll be on live on the air. Uh, We don't get um, completely trounced like we did uh, last Thursday when the Nationals had that comeback victory. So um, enjoy the rest of your week. It's the Tigers. It's probably a very, uh, Compa- uh, comparable talent-wise matchup, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see who the better team is. Very
0: similar roster talent at this point in time. Yikes! We'll see it towards the end of it. We'll give you an update on how it's gone and how far we have to go to be confident again. Till then.